say that she yells at me later. So I'm just kidding. She did a really, really good job. She did a really, really good job. Uh, and I was so proud of her. Uh, we're in a series called Christmas Words, and we're going to get to that in a moment. But I want to uh, just announce something really special that we have coming up um, as we look forward to 2020. Uh, as 2019 comes to an end, we are looking forward to 2020. And at the beginning of every year, this thing called 21 Days of Prayer. Now, some of you uh, may not have been a part of us in the past, or maybe you kind of started coming here recently, and so you've never got to experience a new year with us. Well, this is something that we do every year. We, in fact, we did it before we even started the church. Uh, we did 21 Days of Prayer, where we set aside 21 days uh, to just fully seek God um, in our lives. And so we want to invite you to do that with us, whatever that looks like for you. also meet every day for the 21 days at the church office, except on Sundays we meet here at the, ch- at the school, because I don't want to mix anybody up on Sunday morning, uh, but, but every day at 6.30 a.m., we gather together at our church office for prayer, um, and it's just a, an incredible, incredible time uh, to, to just really see God. So I want to invite you to join us uh, on that journey. Uh, we'll explain a little bit more as January 25th. Uh, I'm sorry, January 5th comes quickly. Uh, January 25th through the 25th are the dates. Uh, 21 days. Um, if you do the math, it actually looks, I know it sounds like it's 20 days, but if you include the 5th, it's 21 days, all right? So uh, 21 days of prayer, it is a, a really, uh, it's a life-changing thing. Uh, so we're in a series called uh, Christmas Words. This past week, I heard the funniest joke of my life. Like, it was the funniest joke of my life. The problem was my family didn't pick it up. And they reminded me of this thing that my daughter, Anna, she's uh, 13, almost 14, said to me uh, last Sunday. She said, Dad, I have a good Christmas word. The word is bah humbug. And I was like, Anna, that's not very life-giving. Like, you want to be life-giving at the rest of these. I started really thinking about it, and uh, when my family didn't like my joke, I, it, it reminded me of the word bah humbug. And so I started to think about that, and I started thinking about the, the Christmas words that we talked about. We talked about uh, the word Advent the first week, um, and we talked about the, the arrival of Jesus, the anticipation of the arrival of Jesus. And, and so uh, we talked about what Advent means. Uh, and then last week, Tanya talked about morning, I want to talk to you about the word Bahamba. Now, I realize that, again, it's not very life-giving, but, um, but, but it's, it's, it's great, and I think, I think that you'll, you'll learn a lot. Um, one thing that I realized last week, what, the reason why Tanya did such a good job is because she let you out on time, right? Like, she let you out on time. I'm working on that. I'm also working on being funnier than she is. 
deception, misleading nonsense. When it comes to Christmas, people often look at Christmas as, like some people will either be jolly and joyful, or they'll be angry and miserable. And those that see Christmas as angry and miserable oftentimes see Christmas as being that want to take the joy out of Christmas. They want to they remove the hope out of Christmas. They want to remove the, the brightness that Christmas brings, the, the mood that it puts us all in. And I think, as I was thinking about what Christmas brings, and I was thinking about what Jesus brings, and I think that a lot of times people look at Christianity the same way that they look at Christmas. They look at Christianity as as if it were a, a humbug, so to speak. And so this morning I want to talk a little bit about how to avoid the humbug spirit, the bah humbug spirit, not just at Christmas time, but in our lives as we live our life. Peaceful, joyful, jolly, bright, say describe Christmas, but I hope some of you think that those words also describe the rest of the church, because they design, they, they, they describe the faith that we represent. If we're honest, there are people that look at Christianity just like it's a humbug, and we don't like look at Christianity like it's a hoax, like it's deceptive, like it's, and, and, and maybe some of you in this room have looked at Christianity like that in the past. I want you to know, if, if that's you, I am so glad you're here. We are so glad you're here. We want to be a church full of Scrooges when it comes to Christianity, because we want to be, me, always be, be moving people closer to Jesus. We want to rescue people that are far from God. That's, that's the mission God has given us. Now, if, if you come from, from other churches or, or, or if, if you've been a part of Christianity in the past, like, like we accept you too. We want you to be a part of us as well because, again, our goal is to move everyone one step closer to Jesus. The Bible talks a lot about people that rejected Jesus that look at Jesus like he was a humbug. And we're going to look at, at some of those today. Uh, the passage that comes to my mind is found in 1 Peter chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there or follow along on the, on the screen behind me. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 8, is referencing a couple different verses. I love this because Peter writes it, and he's referring to three different Old Testament passages. We're going to look at, at Psalm chapter 118, verse 22, as, as kind of the OG passage that he's referring to here. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 8 says, You are coming to Christ, you 
are coming to Christ, who is living the living cornerstone of God's temple. Now, remember that phrase. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but was chosen by God for great honor. Jesus was rejected by people, and he was chosen by God for great honor. Verse 5. And you are li- the living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Jesus is the cornerstone. We are the stones that he's using to build the church. He's using to build the temple. You are holy priesthood. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. That's, that's a verse from the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Verse 7 says, yes, you are. You who trust in him recognize the honor that God has given him. But those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. That's Psalm chapter 118, verse 22. We're going to look at this for the remaining part of our time. But read on, verse 8. He is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. And so they meet the faith that repents of sin. Here's what I love about this passage. It references the Old Testament and the New Testament because the Old Testament was the Bible of the day. That's all they had for God's word. So Peter is referencing the Bible to these, this group of people that he's trying to encourage that they're the ones that, that God wants to use. Last week, Tanya referenced This verse is referencing a couple of those prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. One is in Isaiah 26, 28, 16. The other is in Psalm 118, 22. And the other one is in Isaiah 8, 14. But we're going to look at, at Psalm 18, 22 that says this. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Now, Jesus quotes this verse in Matthew chapter 21. Peter, it's not the first time that he's quoted it because he quoted it again in Acts. Now, um, it wasn't until last week that I really started digging into what this, like, I started looking at this passage of Scripture and I, I, I started thinking, what, 
what stone are they talking about? And who are the builders that they're referring to? And I was looking for a literal stone and literal builders, and here's what God showed me this week. He said, Adam, if you get lost in trying to find the literal, you'll be robbed of the supernatural. So just ignore the literal stone. Now, that may not be really good sermon convincing. It may not be really good Bible study. But when it comes to, to, to some of the things in Scripture, this I look at this as a parable. Just like Jesus, so Jesus told stories to, to relate spiritual truth. And this is just, this is just like a parable that, that was in the Old Testament that was describing this, this story. So there's a lot of theories about what the actual stone was and what the actual builder, builder was, who the actual builder was. The Jewish people believe that what, because, because the nation of Israel doesn't accept Jesus as Messiah. In the New Testament, we know we know that this is referring to Jesus. The stone that the builders rejected was Jesus. Peter just said it. And so, what what's going on is that the the, the Jews today believe that this was actually King David, because when when Samuel anointed David, and I don't want to lose some of you that aren't familiar with with David's story. But when, when God appointed David to be the next king after Saul, he had this man by the name of Samuel go to the battlefield. This is where David and Goliath take place. Elijah never heard of that story. David and Goliath. And so, so when, when David goes to fight Goliath because no one else can stand up to this giant of a man, Samuel, God says, anoint him, anoint David to be king. Well, he actually says to anoint a son of Jesse. Well, Jesse had a lot of other sons. And they had forgotten about David because David was the intended king, the heavenly king that was sent from God. And so a lot of Jews today believe that, that David is the one because David became a king. But everyone had forgotten about the king. But really what he's talking about is King Solomon. was the richest man that ever lived. And he had all these rock quarries, and he was used by God to build a really nice temple, him and a, and a guy by the name of King Hiram. Well, Solomon has all these rock quarries, and so what would happen when they were building a building is, is they would go and get the, the rocks or the stones from the rock quarry, and they would send them to the people that were building the, the building. They would send them to the building. And the builders, at the very beginning of the building, they would do their best to try and find the perfect stone for the cornerstone. It was the very first stone that was laid. The very first stone. And it had to be perfect. Because it had to be straight. Because everything else on the rest of the building was contingent on that one rock being straight. Some of you that have done some remodeling in England wish that you had a good cornerstone to build your house. So, so they would they would try to find the perfect stone to lay the foundation. It had to be the perfect one. And so what they would do is they would they would reject stone that was not laid that was not perfect. 
until they found the cornerstone. And what Peter's saying here is the stone that the builders rejected on a, on a daily basis as they built buildings. The ones that they put off to the side. It's, it's, come, it's become the cornerstone. It's become the most important stone. It's become what you were looking for. Some of you today came into the refuge not knowing what you were looking for. Maybe you hadn't rejected Jesus. Maybe you knew that this was a, a fun and safe environment. Maybe you saw our social media and you were like, I want to check out this place. I want you to know that there's so much more here. It's more than what you're looking for. What you came in looking for. It's the hope that you didn't think existed. It's the hope that God does love you. And you see, this story reminds us, this, this picture reminds us that what man rejects, God is able to accept. What man rejects, God accepts. You see, some of you may be here this morning and you may feel like you're, you've been rejected. You may feel like you don't fit in. And God's family God is able to accept what man rejects. In fact, God chooses to reject. Later on in verse 8, Peter wrote, He is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word and they meet the fate that was planned for them. You see what would happen as these men would look at these stones and they would go, bah humbug, bah humbug, bah humbug. What would happen is they would go on to build the building. And sure enough, someone was guaranteed to trip over one of those rocks, one of those stones. And Peter not only says he's become the cornerstone, but he says, some of you guys actually tripped over the stone that became the cornerstone. You see, I think as I look at it in the Christmas context, some, of pe- some people, some people celebrate Christmas, but they reject Jesus. Jesus is the reason that we celebrate Christmas. And we celebrate Christmas, but yet we, we reject Jesus. And this is, what, this is what Peter is saying. Jesus will either become your stepping stone to get you to God the Father, or he will become your stumbling stone to keep you from God the Father. You see, some of you can't wrap your minds around the idea that a virgin would conceive a baby by the Holy Spirit, and she would give birth to a perfect born son that would go on to die on a cross, pay for our sins, to rescue us, to make us right with God. And some of you stumble on the small things 
to know that Jesus is supposed to be the stepping stone to get to the cross. He's supposed to be the foundation. Matthew 7, 24 says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds his house on the rock. But here's what I know. I know that as a pastor, I stumble daily when it comes to my life with Jesus. I reject Jesus on a daily basis. I say, bah humbug. When I choose my schedule over spending time with him, I say, bah humbug. When I choose social media over praying to him in the morning, what I'll do is I'll sit down in the morning, I'll read my Bible, and I'll spend time with God, I'll do really good. But at the end of it, I have a tendency to want to to jump on social media because I don't have Facebook on my phone. I only have it on my computer. My computer's in front of me. I have a tendency to go there. When in, in fact, I just read God's word, I should spend time praying and talking to him. That's just me. When I choose to listen to a Major League Baseball podcast over a, a podcast that's going to get me closer to Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that any of those things are wrong. They just have to be in the right order. They just have to be in the right order. If I put them before I put my time with Jesus, then I'm out of order. And I've said, bah humbug. So the question is, this morning, how do we avoid the bah humbug spirit? How do we avoid the bah humbug spirit in our daily lives? Because I have the natural tendency to reject Jesus, I have to have discipline to accept him. I have to have discipline to accept him. So I want to give you four quick things to help you avoid the bah humbug spirit, not just at Christmas time, but in our in our daily life. Are you ready? If you're ready, say ready. All right. Number one is take up your cross daily. Take up your cross daily. Now, I realize that that is very uh, religious talk. Some of you guys don't even know what that means, and I hope you don't know what that means. Take up my cross daily is my personal choice. Just like Jesus took up his cross to die in my place, I must choose to take up my cross on a daily basis and have the discipline. The cross takes discipline. So I have to have the discipline to give my time to him, to give my attention to him, to give him my everything. This is my personal choice. That's why I chose to write it in that form take up my cross daily because it's my personal choice to follow Jesus. It's not Tanya's choice. It's not my kid's choice. It's not my church's choice. It is my choice. And it has to be your choice. Because if it's not your choice, it's not going to make a difference. Your husband or your wife's faith isn't yours. It can't be yours. It has to be you. It has to be a personal devotion, a personal time with may be wondering where we get the verbiage of take up my cross daily in Luke chapter 
9, verse 23, Jesus sa- it says this. It said, Then he said to the crowd, this is Jesus speaking, Then he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. You see, when we take up our cross, we reject the things that we want, we reject our way, and we accept his. I believe when you accept Jesus into your life, you only need to do it one time. I believe that. But then it goes on as a daily decision. You accept him into your life, you, you pray and you ask him, God, I believe in you, Jesus. I, I ask you to come into my life and to save me. We're going to have a moment to allow to, to, to offer everyone that opportunity today. But even though you only have to do that one time, tomorrow morning I have to get up and I have to choose Jesus. Tuesday morning I get up and I'm going to have to choose Jesus. I have to choose him on a daily basis. In a world with a lot of distractions, busyness, hustle, choosing Jesus can be hard. <laughs> last week, um, I wasn't, I wasn't going to share this this morning, but last week, um, I've, I've been really good all year to, to do a, I do a Bible plan at the beginning of every single year. This year, I've been really faithful to read my Bible all the way through. I'm in the book of of Jude, which is the the first the, the the book before Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible. I've done really really good to read my Bible every day this year, so that I can read it all the way through. It's um, it's probably the best I've ever done. The last Saturday, my brother, uh, his wife is pregnant; they're having a baby, and so um, he had a baby shower down in Massachusetts last night. So I got out of my routine, and would you know that the next morning I got up, and I was like, no, I missed the day, and I was mad, not because I missed time with God, but because my app said I was I was a failure, like Sarah was talking about a minute. that's not why I should have been mad. I should have been mad because I missed my time with Jesus that morning. See, I fail every day too. And I have to make the conscious decision to take up my cross and follow him. Number two, fellowship with like-minded, sorry, don't say like-minded, that's too, people don't say that. Fellowship that are, are like-minded and what you and, and, and what you want to be. In fact, if you have a hard time with believing some things, get around some people that believe the things that you don't that, that you have a hard time with. So that you can be with them, so that you can be around them. Be 
Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it says, Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other from keep each other warm. But how can one be warm and alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. They're even better for a triple braided three are even better for a triple braided cord is easily broken. We need each other, guys. We need each other. We weren't made to do life alone. So at the refuge, we give four opportunities for you to meet with, for you to, to be around other people. Other believers in Jesus. First Sunday morning, this is a time of fellowship. A time, we'll have some time we have time before church, we have time after church. You guys are welcome to hang out and, and, and be with each other. That's one. Let me just say that if Sunday morning is the only time that you fellowship with other believers, you need more. You need more, which is why we offer the second way to meet with other, other believers and fellowship, and that's through this thing called small groups. To get together in small groups. Now, we're on a little bit of a hiatus until February. But in February, we'll, we'll pick right back up where we left off with small groups because you need to get involved with people. And by the way, just because we're on a hiatus from small groups doesn't mean you can't get together with friends from church. When you get together with friends from church, guess what? That's a small group. Get together with other believers that, that you can be with, that you can encourage one another, that you can ask questions. The third way is through My Refuge. This is meeting today after service. This is week three of My Refuge. We do it the first, second, and third week of every month. And it's amazing when we get together a My Refuge group of people. It's ama amazing the camaraderie that they join with one another as they, as they kind of make the Refuge Church their home. And the, the fourth way is on our dream team. Did you guys know that every Sunday morning we show up at 7.30 to set all this stuff up? 7.30, the truck pulls in, we, we, we set everything up, we take everything down when we're, when we're done, we huddle at 9.25 as a dream team to, to, to talk about the day, to get encouragement, to celebrate with each other, and anyone can join the dream team, anyone can have questions about it, you can sit by the next step, uh, our next step station after church, uh, and, and, and someone from our dream team would love to answer any questions that you have about joining our dream team, because we fellowship together, we do life together, we need each other. Number three, the third way to avoid the Baha hum humbug spirit, that gives me a great segue, is to serve. You know how good it feels to do something for somebody else? Now you put it in the context of doing it for God, and it's incredible. It's incredible. You are never more like Jesus than when you serve someone else. Let me say that again. You are never more like Jesus than when you serve someone else. Did you hear that? You are never more like Jesus than when you serve someone else. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says this. 
For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life for many. Again, if you're interested in joining our dream team, you can stop by Next Steps on your way out. Number four, the last one, finally. The way you stay away from the Baha Mug Spirit is through praise. Find a way to praise the R-A-I. Praise. It's why we start singing when you come in. It's why we start, why we sing a song on our way out. Wasn't it a philosopher by the name of Buddy the Elf that said, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear? The world even knows that singing makes a difference. There's tons of Bible verses about praise. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that well. The Lord is my strength and my safe cover. My heart trusts in him. And I am helped till my heart is full of joy. I will thank him with a song. Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks to everything to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I heard a story this week about three men sitting on the base of a mountain. One was a Christian. The other two were from other religions. And the two men were talking about how all the religions are basically the same. Fundamentally, they're the same. Superficially, they're, they're kind of different. And so, the Christian heard him talking. He said to him, well, look at it this way. You guys look at that mountain and see God on top of it. And you see us on the bottom, and we're all trying to get to him. All of us, we're all trying to get to God. And they said, yeah, you got it. That's it. He said, but you don't understand Christianity. You see, we look at God as he's on the mountain, and we're on the bottom. But God's not waiting for us to get to him. He already came down. Came down to rescue us. So that we can have a spirit of joy. So that we can have a spirit of peace. So that we can have a spirit of hope. Jesus came so that we could all be joined together with the Father. He came to rescue us. And all he says is I'm a gift, and the only way that you receive a gift is by receiving it. 
You see, all those other religions, the way that they move closer to God is they work and they do good and they're good people and they, they do good things. And those things they believe get them closer to God. But the problem is God's already come down to this earth to rescue us and we do not have to do anything at all to earn it. All we have to do is introduce ourselves. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever introduced yourself to Jesus? Oh, he knows who you are. He knows what you've done. And he loves you so much that he died in your place so that you could get to God. And the reason you need to let him know who you are is because you realize that you need him in your life. Have you done that? Have you done that? going to ask in the quiet of this moment as we respond because if I don't give you an opportunity to respond then I've wasted your time and the way I want you to respond today is I want you to raise your hand and say Pastor Adam that's me I want to introduce myself to Jesus today is there anybody I want to introduce myself to Jesus today. Now, for those of you that didn't raise your hand, go and spread the Christmas cheer. But not just the Christmas cheer of the season, but Jesus. Spread the love of Jesus. If you raise your hand, I want to invite you to say a prayer with me. And just like I said earlier today, every day I need to choose to follow Jesus. One thing that I like to do in order to choose to follow Jesus is I like to say that prayer every day. So I'm going to invite the whole church, everybody, to repeat this prayer out loud with me. Say, God, I come before you, and I acknowledge. died for me on the cross for my sins. I believe that he was perfect, that he was your son, and that he accepts me. Come into my life and save me and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. If you said that prayer and you meant it, Tell me on your way out or, or fill out the easiest way is for you to, to mark it on a card. That way you don't have to tell anybody face to face because you might be a little bit, you know, it might be a little bit weird. So just fill it out on the card and drop it on in the black box on your way out. And let me just say, I know that it's not Christmas yet. Next week we have a very special Christmas celebration for, for, for the day. I hope that you invite your family and your friends and it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And then on, uh, on, on Tuesday.
Tuesday or Wednesday, whichever one of those days it's, it's going to be, uh, on Tuesday the 24th, we have a, another experience at, at 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve, and we cannot wait to celebrate Christmas with you. Would you do me a favor? Would you give God a hand as we close out the service? We're going to sing another song and then be dismissed.